Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. As always, thank you for believing in me and tuning in week after week. It means the world to me. I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors, uh, Mori Nutrition. They're the official drink now of, of the Belief Cast, which is kind of cool. Uh, Siegfried and Jensen, Wasatch Recovery th- and Thread Wallets. And then the music that you heard at the beginning, at the end of the podcast is by my good friend, Paul Cardall, who's also been on the podcast. He's a award-winning pianist and amazing human being. So thank you for letting us use your music. And again, thanks for tuning in. We've got another amazing guest today. We have Katie Carsano. Did I say that right? You sure did. Okay, yeah. good, good. Katie, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And uh, we're in for a treat today, guys. Katie has a, a very impressive life. She's been through a lot. She's uh, achieved a lot. A little background on her. Uh, she was born and raised in Oklahoma up until the age of 17 and then moved to Utah. Uh, she's dedicated herself to serving in multiple boards, such as Doppel, Criminal Justice Advisory Council. She advocates for uh, expungement laws in Utah. Um, she also is an Olympic weightlifter, snowboarder, which is really cool. I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, a wake surfer, competitive dressage rider. You said it great. Wow. That's and guys, I didn't know what that was. I'll be honest. I had to look it up. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? And I'm going to have Katie tell you more about that. Um, she's also, you know, she's passionate about horses, books like pal. Um, she has a bachelor's of social work and a master's of social work as well. And along with an advanced substance use disorder training from the University of Utah, she has over 13 years of experience. Uh, she specializes in PTSD and trauma. She's certified in EMDR. I mean, the list goes on. You've been through a lot. You've done a lot. You're doing a lot of good in this world. She's also uh, a, cl- a clinician and uh, one of the directors at Balance House, yes, which is um, uh, sober living for men. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Is there female as well? No female, but we have a full continuum now. We have a residential. Oh, oh we have yeah. A, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's a four, it's a year-long four-phase program. We used Love to be it. a sober living, but now we But have, now you got the whole got gamut. got the whole okay, thing. Thank you for yeah, clarifying that. Of course. That. Yeah. But Balance House, honestly, has one of the best reputations here in Utah. I've, I, you know, I've been, in, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've never heard one bad thing, honestly, about Balance House. So very respectful. And again, Katie, it's an honor to have you in, in on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much. It's great to hear that about Balance House. It's very special to me. Yeah, yeah. I know you're passionate about helping mm-hmm. people, and so that that's makes sense. So why don't we start, Katie? Tell us about growing up in Oklahoma and a little bit about your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. When you say all those things on my resume, I'm like, who is that? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just to get started, I actually, um, I was born in Washington state. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then my family lived in Utah for a few years, but then when I was six, Mm -hmm. we moved to Oklahoma. Um, and it was quite a culture shock. So I moved to this tiny little town called Tishomingo and it's an Indian territory. So I'm native American. Yeah. It's called Tishomingo. Wow. Okay. Nobody. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm part native American and so all my, oh, wow. yeah, all my family, a lot of my family is down there. Okay. Um, and so leaving Utah 
and going to southern Oklahoma was quite a culture shock. I bet. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was very it was really, really difficult for all of us, for my siblings, for my parents. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it really that was kind of like the the start of having to move all the time. Yeah. Okay. So a big part of, of my story or trauma, you would say, mm -hmm. is moving moving, moving, moving. So I would go from one place to another in a very short amount of time. But Oklahoma was the longest place I ever lived. Okay. As a child. Yeah. 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 yeah and moving is difficult, especially for children. I think we, we as adults take that for granted, if you will. We don't understand like how traumatic that can be. I've got all these friends and all of a sudden now we're going somewhere brand new and I got to figure this out again. Yeah. Is, th yeah. is that what it kind of felt like at times? Yes. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Constantly. And it I went to three different high schools in three different states. Oh man! Yeah, so it was. It was. Um, I mean, looking back on it now, I I'm kind of proud of how well I actually did, mm -hmm. but it was difficult. So um, my mom is a veterinarian, so she went to Oklahoma State University. So when we were younger, you know, financially, um, my family didn't have a lot, okay. and so my mom, as we're we're living in this, you know, small town in Oklahoma, she realized like she needed to do something to kind of get us out of that. Right. So uh, when I was 17, we ended up moving to Utah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was two months into my senior year. Oh yeah. It was brutal. Wow. That is brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Senior year. That would be so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Because you really don't have time when you come to a new place to meet people and form I don't know, t you know, strong relationships, I guess. Yeah. At least in the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's how I started to learn how to be the new girl, mm. right? So yeah. when you go from place to place, it's like learning to make friends, learning to show up however you need to, to survive in a lot yeah. of senses. Yeah. yeah, you have to dig deep sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I often say to my clients from time to time, um, I really believe that life happens for us. Um, the good and the bad, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and we'll probably get to that because I think part of that challenge is what you led to what you do today even, For right? sure, yes. And so, and I know you had some struggles growing up and maybe got caught up into some things you shouldn't be doing. Let's talk a little bit about that if that's okay because, you know, obviously that led to some trials in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my brother, so my, my family is riddled with addiction and alcoholism on both sides of my family. Mm -hmm. um, my older brother also struggled with addiction. Okay. So when I was really young, he ended up going to treatment. I think I was 12. Oh, okay. um, and, and so at first I, I kind of, I didn't want any part of using substances, doing any substances. But when I moved to California for my sophomore year, I was, I was playing sports, but then I was introduced to drugs, cocaine, alcohol, mm all the marijuana, all, yeah. all the things that kind of made me feel like I was a part of, right? Yeah. So during that time in California, I was 15 years old. And it was just my father, myself, and my brother. And we lived in a house with no furniture for a whole year. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. How was that? It's kind of a blur now. I'm yeah. just, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really hard, you know, but that's kind of when I... I started to really go downhill. Hmm. So my mom and my brother too, both of us, we started to struggle and my mom's like, okay, come back to Oklahoma. So we moved back to Oklahoma for a year. Things okay. got worse, okay. worse and worse. So I, I was drinking all the time. I was doing cocaine all the time. I was staying out late. I was getting in trouble with the law. 
mm-hmm. um, boys, everything that you can imagine started for me. Yeah. And I was just, I remember being in so much pain all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. Right. I, I look, I actually, about a week ago, I found some of my old journals from that time. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, I don't even remember keeping a journal. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, wow. Y- yeah. But it talking about like, you know, this young girl that was like desperate to find yeah. her group of friends to figure yeah. out who she was and just in a lot of pain. And, and so my, my family brought my brother and I back to Oklahoma. Things got worse. And then two months into my senior year, my mom moved us all to Utah. Yeah. So at that time, I had gotten a fake ID oh, yeah. for my sister. Yeah. Right. And yep. yeah, so things started to. Sorry, were you going to ask? No, no. I was going to say, you. so it just progressed from there. I mean, so you move at the height of your struggle, yes. which just adds more to, to, the, to the struggle, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and, and again, traumatic, those, those, those moves are traumatic, right? Yeah. Trauma is in a bunch of different forms. And people might think, really, moving is traumatic? And yes, it is. When you're, when you're a kid and you're mm-hmm. trying to establish yourself, you even said it in the journals, you're trying to find who you, who are you? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, who are you going to, what, what does it look like? And so, so you get here to Utah Mm-hmm. You start school up again. You got what half the year left? I'm assuming ish. Yeah. Of your senior year. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, again, Utah. You know, I didn't remember Utah from when I was younger. So coming to Utah again from Oklahoma, <laughs> right. I was like, "What is? What is this place?" <laughs> it was um, it was really really difficult for me. So at that time, I started hanging out with people that were older. I went to Hillcrest High School. Okay. Yeah, I was you know two months in and. I still don't know how I graduated. I don't know. I don't know how because I was never there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I was extremely, extremely depressed. Mm. And um, my sister ended up, you know, moving back home for a while. I had her driver's license. So I would use that. And I really started to hang out with older people. Okay. Right. So I was going to Las Vegas. I, you know, I'm like 17 years old, 18 years old, going to Vegas, going to clubs, going to bar, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. I was exposed to some pretty gnarly, you know, situations at such a young age. Yeah. Did your mom know that you were struggling this bad? Did she, I mean, she had an idea, obviously, but did she know the, the extent of it? She didn't know at that time. She knew, she knew I was struggling, but she didn't realize how bad things were getting mm-hmm. because I would disappear. I would leave for like a week. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, I, I ended up graduating high school and, um, after that things continued to get worse. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I got a boyfriend that was about 10 years older than me. Um, and we started using heavily. So I, that's oh, when I was introduced to painkillers. That's oh, when okay. I, I started using cocaine, um, smoking crack, doing, doing all of these I mean, again, looking back now, I don't know how I lived through it, right? Right. So um, doing all those things like pills, cocaine, at 19 was the first time I went to treatment. I actually went to a place right down the street from here oh, called really? The Ark, yes. Oh, yeah, I remember The Ark. Yeah. yeah. I think it's no longer there, but... No, yeah, it's yeah. no longer there. That was my, that was my <laughs> first... I really? Yeah, that was my first treatment episode. So I go in and I stayed for about 54 days, Um and I came home for a Christmas and, you know, we, we call it, you know, AMA. AMA, AWOL. yep. AWOL, um, yeah. And so I never went back. So I, I jumped in. <laughs> I jumped into U-Haul with my boyfriend that was 10 years older than me and drove to Seattle. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. 
right from treatment. Mm-hmm. It was about a week. It was like a week, a week. So were you, did you feel like you were like white knuckling it, if you will, at treatment? Just kind of like, I'm going through the motions here. I'm going to just try to please whatever, you know, or do you feel like you really were trying to put in some work or, or cause you typically you probably were planning the, the relapse, if you will, before you even left treatment. Right. Yeah. Know. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I was there. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about anything at yeah. that point. I got there and I did learn stuff about myself and I, I was able to clear. I mean, I, I don't even remember the first week. I was so cloudy and yeah. um, it was a really, you know, it was a really bizarre experience for the first two weeks. I, I kind of felt like I was floating around and, you know, I, I really tried to engage, but in the back of my mind, I was young. Yeah. I was 19 years old. I'm for like, sure. I'll be fine. I just needed like, I needed to go to a place and, and stop yeah. and, and then go back out. So I, you know, went, but when I came home on, on Christmas, I knew I wasn't going back. Mm, yeah. Really? Yeah. I knew I wasn't going back. So, wow. um, yeah, I packed up and I, I left and moved to Seattle in 19 and I didn't come back to Utah for five years. Wow. And, and were you with that guy the mm-hmm. entire time up there? Mm-hmm. And I would imagine things were just bad and worse. And yeah, I, I almost died. Yeah, really. Yeah, it was terrible. That was yeah. at the the height of um, OxyContin. I don't know oh, if you've yeah. seen the documentary Dope Sick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. I'm part of that era. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're lucky to be alive. Yeah. Honestly. I again, it's 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 wild to think that I'm still alive. So you know, when I I got up there. Um, I did have a job at Olive Garden as a server, <laughs> right. but you know, I, I had cash and, and the drug use just got worse. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it was a really, really toxic relationship. Oh my gosh. I, you know, right. Right. I was young. He was older. You know, he was my drug dealer basically. Wow. Right. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're up there for five years mm-hmm. and then what? Did you end up leaving him and realizing you needed more help or what happened? So um, thinking back now, so I had I had a really bad overdose. Mm. Um, so that was before, you know, I, I was doing pills all the time, but I was also taking Xanax. I was drinking. So I was combining a lot of substances. And actually, I don't think I've ever talked about this part. There were there were multiple times where I, you know, I didn't wake up for a while. Like, people, you know. It, it just, wow. yeah, I was really skinny. I wasn't eating yeah. <laughs> and I was combining, I was putting all these things in my system. Um, but then towards the end, I owed some not good people a lot of money. So I literally Dang. packed everything in my, and I left him. I, ha- I had to get away from him because yeah. I was, he, I was dying. And I came back to Utah and um, I moved back in with my parents at that point. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a courageous move to leave him. Like, cause even though you knew it was bad, you, we, you know, we hear stories all the time with our mm-hmm. clients who stay stuck in, in a relationship mm-hmm. year after year after year and they know it's bad. They know it's not good for them, but they won't leave. Right. So for you to actually get to that point and finally do it, that's, I, that says something about you. Yeah. Yeah. I just, there was something I'm like, I have to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Did he try to follow you? He, Did he try he, to? He wanted me to stay. Yeah. I'm sure. You know, and he, he was also in his, he wasn't bad. We were just both strung out. Yeah. Quite frankly. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Um, well, yeah, everyone's good. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. 
Yeah. You know, you're mm-hmm. good. He's a good guy. Yeah. Just doing bad things. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. And we, we remained friends for a while. Uh-huh. And, you know, he's actually doing well now, too. Oh, that's good. Yeah. To hear. Yeah. Glad. Good so, for him. Right. Shout out to him. I know. Um, yeah. So you come home. Did you go back into treatment? What What was the plan when you came home? Because you obviously were still a mess. Yeah. I mean, I was still really addicted to opiates. So I had, yeah. had just had enough to get me back to Salt Lake. Oh, man. Um, and then when I got back, that's when I was introduced to heroin. Boy. Right. So, you know. So pill- it just kept going. It got worse. It, it got even worse. got worse then. It got way oh, worse. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I was introduced to that and... Um, and I had done it a few, a few times when I was in Seattle. Um, but when I got to Utah, it was much cheaper. And Mm -hmm. so I was like off to the races at that point. Right. So, you know, I, I became a IV heroin addict. Yeah. Yeah. At like 23 years old, 22 years old. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you're probably wondering at times, how did I get here? Yeah, it was awful. Because you weren't, you didn't plan, you didn't seek out. Well, I hope I, one day I'm a heroin addict, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. no one, no one ever does. Right. But it it tells you how bad things were getting if you get to that point where you're 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 putting a needle in your arm. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, and I just I didn't know how to stop. Yeah. You know, I remember having these moments where I was like desperate. I was desperate to stop. You know, it, it's really interesting. So the only reason I actually stopped is because I got arrested. But, yeah. <laughs> right. Sometimes that's what you need, right? That's the only thing. Mm. That is the only thing that was going to make me stop because it was really hard. It was really hard withdrawals, all of those things. So mm-hmm. um, the day I actually got arrested, I remember waking up and I, I mean, I was like 99 pounds. Oh yeah, I was gosh. so skinny. And oh, my gosh. I remember thinking like something has to change or I'm going to die. Mm. And so that day, um, I got pulled over twice by the police because I had expired tags. Okay. And I got, um, I was a, I got away. Like they let me off, and it was like that day God was saying, "You're not, you're not getting out of this." And so I got in a really bad car accident. Oh, yeah, my gosh. yeah, yeah, a really bad car accident, and then ended up going to jail. Mm-hmm. And I had been arrested before, but I had never. I knew when I was, I had all these warrants because I was using my sister's name to get out of things. This is why I'm such a big expungement. We can talk about like expungement yes. activist. Yeah, definitely want to hear about this. Yeah, yeah. so I, I got arrested and I had a ton of warrants. And I knew when I went to jail this time, I wasn't getting out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So so now you're sitting in jail. You just had, you were in this bad accident. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, I mean, and this is, sounds like a dumb question, but I'd like our listeners, like, what was your psyche at the time? What was the feeling? What was your mental status? Oh, I was so sick. I was so sick. So for the first month, I mean, I couldn't even eat. I couldn't mm. sleep. I ended up having a seizure because I, I came in and I was using, you know, yeah. uh, benzodiazepines and heroin. And oh um, I ended up having a seizure, seizure and I had to go into medical because I was so skinny. I couldn't keep anything down. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I, I'd had warrants all over. I mean, Murray, Holiday, all of our surrounding cities. I, I, I joke now. I was like, I, I got in trouble in every city <laughs> when I went and got my record expunged. I had to go to like seven different courthouses. It was oh, a nightmare. Oh man, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. I know. Um, so I went to you know different. I had to do that afterwards because I had to go to a bunch of court. Um, appearances because I had all of these charges all over and yeah but I was so sick and about a month in I went to you know where I had a really bad felony and I remember the judge 
you know, he called my dad up and I might get emotional as I talk about it's this, okay. but he, yeah. <clears throat> he called my dad up to the stand and said, excuse me, You're good. you know, the judge said, um, how is it to see your daughter in handcuffs? And he said, it's better than a funeral. Oh. Yeah. And in, in front of the whole courtroom. Whoa. Yeah. It was brutal. It was brutal. So. Wow. You and know, I'm sure that hit you hard to, to oh, have your awful. dad say that. Oh, my God, it was awful. You know, because my family didn't give up on me. They yeah. should have. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly. So the judge said, you know, you're, he sentenced me to a year in jail, you know, and oh, um, and then said, you know, I'm, I'm sending you to treatment. You have to do all the treatment. You have to do all the aftercare. I'm not doing this to punish you. I'm doing this to save your life. And he saved my life. Wow. He saved my life. Yeah, so I was in jail. I got released a little bit early. I can't remember. It's been forever at this point. But then I ended up going to a county-funded treatment program because my family was like, yeah. we they were done paying for things. Yeah, yeah. They, they were tapped out. They were tapped out. Yeah. Right, right. Wow. Yeah, so I went to a, a local treatment center called The Haven. Yep, I know we, The Haven. Yeah. yeah I've yeah. been to a Haven for, for, for a few times. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so so I went there and and that place really did save my life. I needed the therapeutic community, you know, to be able to really hold me accountable for things. Yeah, and, and um, I did a lot of work while I was there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's and I know addiction can hit anybody. Yeah. I, and I'm not I'm not naive to that. But seeing you today, yeah, <laughs> like people would be you know they're gonna be blown away. Like Katie was doing all that, I like. Know. That's what she was doing. She was caught up in all of that. She went to jail for a year. She, mm-hmm. I mean, again, and I know it's not about how you look. It's just, man, you're doing, you look so, I mean, vibrant and good. And mm-hmm. you're, you're doing, I mean, you're a go-getter. Mm-hmm. What, I, what I got from looking and studying you, like you put your mind to something, you do it. Is that mm-hmm. accurate? That is accurate. accurate. Yeah. I just, maybe it's because I'm stubborn. But once I start <laughs> subbing something, I'm yeah. like, yeah. 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 And so that's a good thing, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. To be a little stubborn. Yeah. You know, in this. So you go to the Haven. Haven's not an easy program. Oh my gosh. Right? <laughs> it was so brutal. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did you end up staying at the Haven? So I was there for three months, but then I moved into their sober living. Okay. Right? They had yeah. a sober living. And I, I mean, I stayed in their sober living for a year. I did all the, like, I was desperate. Wow. I did not want to go back to jail. Yeah. Um, but it was really hard for me to kind of get into AA originally, mm-hmm. you know, thinking yeah. back, I don't know why, again, I think I was just stubborn. You're stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> stubborn. <laughs> it's still a thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I lived in the transitional housing for, for about a year Damn. and I worked at the Olive Garden. I had no car. I had, My goodness. yeah, it was very, um, you know, it was a very humbling time for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, and what that tells me at that point, at least you were in it to win it. Totally. Like, you know what? I will walk to work. I will live it in the haven in this sober living that can sometimes feel like uh, relapse living. Um, You know what I mean? Like there's just a lot going on. Right. And it's easy to get caught right back up into the same old criminal stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But that does say again, a lot about you. Like, you know what, I'm gonna do this. And yeah, if I have to walk to my job, I will walk to my job. Yeah, yeah, in the snow. It was, it was, it was, um, (laughs) but I was, I was so desperate to change because I was so miserable. And you know, I I remember 
just like hoping I wouldn't wake up sometimes. Like in, when I started to wake up and not wish to be dead, that was when I was like, I want, I want to feel like this. Like I want yeah. to, you know, love myself again and, you know, see my full potential. I was super tired of hurting my family too. Yeah. Right. Wow. You know, a lot of people in the Haven and in, you know, ADC in Salt Lake County, they don't have anybody. And I yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah, you, it's it's interesting when you look back, like all the things that were put into place, if you will, that led to you. Again, like you said, it saved your life. It saved my life. And not only did it save your life, from all the stuff you're doing now, like, <laughs> so you do you go through all this, yeah. but yet, man, you've got all these degrees in social work and the master's mm-hmm. level. You got every degree that you can need. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, advanced Sud C. Um, you're, you're trained in trauma work and PTSD and EMDR and you're at the balance house and you're one of the head honchos over there. That's what we're <laughs> going to call you. Um, but I mean, again, you're doing all this stuff. How, how did that evolve? Like, did you get to a place where you're like, you know what, if this saved my life, I want to maybe be a part of that moving forward? Yeah, yeah. One, one thing that my, my family is full of really, really strong women. <laughs> they are very, really strong highly educated women from mm-hmm. my grandma, my mother, my sister. Um, and so yeah. I knew that if I wanted to be able to take care of myself, nobody was ever going to take care of me. I had to take care of myself. Yeah. And I didn't, I knew I had to go to school. I knew I had to go to school or I was going to not, I was going to be working at Olive Garden forever. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. it was really difficult. So I applied to the SETSI program. Mm. I got into the SETSI program. And at that point, um, I just kept going. The problem was my record. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is where the expungement mm-hmm. uh, advocacy comes into play. Let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was difficult. So I, I got in the SETSI program, but then when I tried, when I um, applied to the BSW program with all of my criminal charges, you know, I had multiple felonies, misdemeanors. Right. Yeah. You know, I had to write, I had to get letters I had to <laughs> right. it was very it was kind of traumatizing because they make you go through each charge explain what happened oh, man. explain how you changed and I can't tell Todd I can't tell you how many times I had to do that in my first 10 years of sobriety wow yeah every sing, every job every apartment every wow. time I went to school all of my internships everything man right and you know even at you know three or four years sober having to relive that all the time yeah mm-hmm yeah, that would have been traumatizing. It, yeah, it was awful. <laughs> and it was embarrassing. It was yeah. so embarrassing, right? Because yeah. once you're in school and you're going through a social work program, you know, there are people in recovery, but it's also a different world. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, guys, th- that's that's the old Katie. Right. I, I, that's not who I, that's not me anymore. Why do we have to keep reliving that? I want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Let me be a part of this program. Let me move forward, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so... Yeah. So yeah, but but again, you didn't give up. Again, there's that stubborn piece, if you will, or I would like to say driven. Yeah. You're a very driven person. Right. Which you're, you because you could have easily said, "This is too much. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'll just. I'll settle and go work over here." Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, I realized that I actually. I mean, looking back now, I'm like, oh my god. Anytime <laughs> I think about getting my doctorate, I'm like, oh, if I go. <laughs> Going back to school, trauma response. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 I, um, yeah, but I, I just, I had to keep going. Yeah. And at that point, 
you know, when I got into the MSW program, so I'm a forensic social worker. So I, I wanted to work at in the jails and the prisons and the VA, which I ended up doing. Okay. But, you know, applying to the prison when you have a criminal record, <laughs> you know. Uh, like, is this serious? Yeah. Is this yeah. woman serious? What's going <laughs> yeah, on here? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I started the expungement progress or process and I had, I had a great friend that I worked with. I worked at First Step House for a long time oh, okay. as well. And I can kind of, I know I'm a little no, all good. over the place. You're good. So I, I went to, you know, I went to a friend that had just gotten his record expunged and said, how did you do it? And he told me, and he had a wife that was an attorney mm. and she actually helped me for free just cause she's amazing. Oh, wow. That's it, awesome. But it was, it probably, it was so expensive. It took so long. I had to go through each different courthouse, like, you know, and, and I realized I was good at school. I was smart. Like I could, yeah. I could figure all that out. But I thought for people that stuff like that is hard for them. No one's ever going to get it done. Yeah. They'll People, just give up. They'll uh, just give up. Yeah. Right. It was so, it was expensive. You had to get certificates going to each oh, courthouse. Man. It took me almost three years Holy cow. Mm-hmm, to get everything expunged. So now I'm a huge advocate. That's why I'm on the, I was on the criminal advisory council. Yeah. Right. And then, um, you know, I've done stuff on TV and, and, um, you know, up at the Capitol to lobby, to make the process easier, especially for nonviolent offenders. Right. Right. So, you know, I, I mean, not being able to get an apartment yeah, and, and I like even getting a job, right. Yeah. I feel so bad for some of the guys I work with now because it's like, you just feel like you're bumping up against the system. Yep. And again, what's, we know this in our industry that a lot of times that it can be a reason for them to go blow up their life again. It's like, well, if I can't do this, what's the point kind of right. thing. Yeah. yeah. So again, it says a lot to where your head was with what you wanted to do. You didn't give up and you kept pushing forward. Yeah. And now yeah. you're doing that and trying to help others do the same. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. It was, it was cool. So as I, as I got all that finished, I, I worked at, so I worked at the VA and I love that. Um, you know, I worked with a lot of trauma, you know, traumatized veterans. Um, mm. I worked in the HUD bash program. Uh, I did some stuff in the PTSD clinic. Okay. And so that's when I fell kind of in love with that. And then yeah. I, you know, I applied to work at the prison and I got the job. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So I, I worked in max and super max and Dang. general pop- population. And I, it was the best experience I've ever had. Yeah. But at that point I realized like the prison is a place is a mental health hospital. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that was really hard for me. Yeah. To see. You know, I had um, an experience. I got invited by Toastmasters to speak at the Utah State Prison when it was out mm-hmm. there at the point. It's no longer there now, which is yeah. weird. It is weird. Um mm-hmm. uh, and I went and spoke at Promontory out there. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was 120 inmates and I was going there to share my story and I've never done that before at a prison. I've done it at uh, detention centers and stuff. And, you know, again, you, you have these ideas of what it's going to be like, right? Mm -hmm. It blew me away. I couldn't believe the feeling in that room and the love Mm -hmm. and the, like these guys were sitting up in their chairs. They weren't talking to their neighbor. They were engaged. They were like asking, I mean, like, what is this? I know. It's the exact opposite of what I thought it would be. And then it hit me like you were saying, and this is why I'm bringing it up. The only difference between me and these guys in, in prison is is I, I didn't get caught when I was drunk driving. Exactly. Or I didn't do, you know, I, I was fortunate enough not to hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. They just had bad some bad luck. Mm-hmm. They're just like me. That's kind of where my head went. I was like, 
yeah. So when totally. you say that, it just made sense. Like that's what that reminded me of. Yeah, yeah. You know, so many of the inmates in there, especially in general population, are in there for drugs. Yeah. Right? And if you don't have the family or the resources or the ability to go to treatment, that's where you end up. Yeah. And so that was that was really hard. So I, yeah. you know, I, I worked at the prison, then I worked at a place called First, First Step House. Um, and they were wonderful. They supported me through my whole education. I worked there for six years. I love the nonprofits. Wow. I felt like there was a lot of yeah. accountability when you're working in county funded, like there's audits and oh, yeah. versus private. Absolutely. Right. So they that's how you went and got all your degrees and yep. working there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, and mm-hmm. again, I'm, this is kind of a little segue because sure. I love where you're, I mean, this story is amazing. Yeah. Like, how did you get into horses and uh, <laughs> and Olympic weightlifter and snowboarding and all this other stuff? Like, was this also going on at the same time you're going back to school and working and like when did all and, and maybe it started obviously when you were younger as well, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. obviously you lost yourself for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did this? How did that? Let's talk about those things. Yeah, for that's sure. That's impressive. Yeah. So I rode horses. So my mom and I are big horse people. When I was okay. really young, she was a horse trainer. So I've ridden horses all my life. And don't you have a horse? I have a horse, Benny. Yeah, yeah. Benny. Yes. <laughs> it's your, you said your it's your big dog. He is my right? big dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Horses are like dogs. Some yeah. people don't understand, but they are. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. So that's cool that you have. Yeah, I wanted to point that out. Yeah. 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 He's great. Um, <laughs> he can be a pain in the butt, but he's great. Sure. So I I did that a lot when I was younger and then, you know, I was using for all those years. But then when I was done with grad school, I was like, I need to start taking better care of myself. Mm -hmm. So I actually started doing CrossFit and then, you know, uh, and then learned, got into Olympic weightlifting, which is what I do now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been doing it for 10 years. Dang. Yeah. 2014 is when I started. Okay. Um, And then. You know, I, I snowboarded again when I was younger, lost it for a long time, came back. I do that now, yeah. do that every winter. So I've been doing that for 20 years. Okay. Um, and then, you know, two years ago, and this is like, has been a life dream of mine. I, I was able to get a boat and uh, wake surf. So Lake Powell is, is the place that saved my life. Like the Haven used to go on yearly trips and take a bunch of houseboats. Okay. And go, and it was a really magical time, like meetings around the fire. And Ooh, yeah. yeah, and Lake Powell saved my life really whoa yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, lake powell is magical it is but then when you go down there and you add a meeting of a bunch of people around a fire yeah with the milky way galaxy beaming over your head and everyone's getting vulnerable yeah. talk about a connection right it was you're right it's magical it was magic it was magic it was um i mean honestly you know, that, that's where I want to live. That's where I want to retire. Yeah. Right. <laughs> People are like, why would you want to go to like Paige or Lake Powell? But I'm like, it saved my life. Yeah. It saved wow. my life. And yeah. you know, last year I, or, you know, actually just a few months ago, I went and I took another treatment center down there on my boat. And so it's come full circle. Yeah. I was now, doing that. I was the, now, right. Wow. Yeah. You're giving yeah. back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why is giving back so important to you? I, I think that I thought I was broken and couldn't be fixed. Yeah. And I thought that for a long time that something was wrong with me. Mm. And then I figured out like I wasn't broken. Yeah. And so many of the people we work with, they just never think they're going to get better. Yeah. Right. And so helping those, those people that think they are never going to change. 
Yeah. That that is the power for me. For sure. Right. Seeing people Ooh. that are hopeless, yeah. hate themselves, want to die. That was me. Yeah, you can relate. Oh yeah. 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 It's it I totally agree with you. You're not broken. Mm-hmm. So I have this quote right here on mm-hmm. my wall. Do you do you mind reading it to for yeah, our sure. listeners to hear? Uh, the to most hear? delightful surprise in life is to suddenly recognize there's nothing wrong with you. Oh my yeah. gosh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, my clients are coming and sit right where you're sitting. On day one, I'll have them read that out loud. And without fail, they'll just start crying. 100%. And I'll say, have you ever heard that? And they're like, no, no yeah. one's ever told me that. Mm-hmm. Right? Or I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. I want to believe it, but mm-hmm. I don't believe it. I'm like, well, it's true. But we're gonna. I'm gonna show you how that's true. Yeah, it's gonna take a minute though. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just have to stay. Wait for the miracle yeah, to happen. Exactly. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. But that's that is amazing that you're giving back now, and mm-hmm. it's like you said, it's come full circle. Right. Like what? A, what a journey. It right? has been a journey. Yeah. And then you know, coming over to Balance House in 2016, and yeah, they had no clinical program when I started. Um, so I started the clinical program and now I have 12 therapists and we've, man, yeah, it's really cool. So you were the one that got it going. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, look at you. I don't even know how it happened. Yeah. I just have, you know, it, you ever like pinch yourself and go, yeah. I can't believe this is where all of that led to this. Yeah. Yeah. You it's, know, it's insane. <laughs> I, I feel so, I'm so grateful. So yeah. many people don't make it out. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I made it out, and now I have this beautiful life. And you know, uh, granted, I worked really hard to get where I am. Yeah. Right. No, you, you, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, again, you're a driven person. Yeah. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell by what you've done and what you've been through that it takes someone who's driven who doesn't give up. You could easily have given up several times along the path, even after you were clean. Right. You still, he's. This is too hard. This is too much. I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm done fighting. You know what I mean? Yes, I and wanted to give up. I know, yeah, but you didn't. I didn't. And that's, and that's a good message for everyone listening to us right now. Mm-hmm. You, you guys need to hear this. Don't give up because I promise. I have a quote that I heard on Chris Williamson's podcast. And he said, the, uh, he's quoting, uh, I think her, the name is uh, Dipen Parmar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the quote is this. The magic you're looking for is in the work you're avoiding hundred percent. I love that. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. I know. I heard that. I was like, bingo. Yeah. But it's yeah. true though. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, a lot of people would say, I want to do what Katie's doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. But this didn't just get fallen, fall into your lap. You had to work your butt off to have it. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you put in the work and now you're experiencing the magic, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, when you reach out, so my 50, I'll have 15 years sober on December 8th. Congratulations. Is, That's amazing. Yeah. I look, I look back so and, cool. you know, this, this time of year, you know, 15 years ago was one of the worst weeks of my life. First two weeks, you know, right before you <laughs> right. get sober, it's totally. usually the worst it's week. Brutal. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I always try to be grateful and, and realize like life, Life could be way worse. Yeah. Yeah. It could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I heard a quote once from one of my clients and I put it to my memory because I didn't want to forget it because I thought how profound and it kind of represents what you do. Mm-hmm. And it goes like this. Um, I tried to find myself, myself I could not see. I tried to find my God. My God eluded me. I tried to find my brother. I found all three. Oh, wow. Right? And, yeah, I, and when he, Yeah. And when he said that, I said the same thing. I'm like, wow. 
dude, I, I go, I'm stealing that from you. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to memorize that sucker. I'm going to share it because that's what it's about. I'm stealing that from you. Just steal it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not mine. Right. You can have it. Yeah. But um, I th- that really represents what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you are now giving back, making a difference. Or in other words, you are finding your brother or sister who's out there struggling mm-hmm. and making a difference in their lives. Mm-hmm. And therefore, look what it does to you. It buoys you up. Mm-hmm. It puts you in that position. And people listen to you mm-hmm. and learn from you because they go, well, what, look what she went through mm-hmm. and where she is now. I, I want to be like you. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is so weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you don't see <laughs> yeah, that, but it's like totally. that's really what happens is yeah. clients come into your place and go, wow. If Katie's been through this and here she is now, there's there's some hope for me that I could I could go down that same path. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I and that's what I to my for my guys at Balance House or the women I work with is, you know, pushing them to see that they are capable. Yeah. They're not broken and they're loved, right? Yeah. And working with the families now at Balance House, we're a family heavy program and yeah. you know, I, I tell the parents it's it's hard to know what to do when you're trying to keep your child alive. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. And so working with those families and actually being able to help the families too, because I wish my family would have had that support. Totally. Right. So being there and talking to that mom or to that dad. Right. And seeing. Well, and I'm laughing now because Mm -hmm. again, what we said earlier, life happens for you. Right. And look what you went through and see you're, you're noticing that there's a, um, um, a void in the family part of this. So therefore, what did you do? Because you, you went through this kind of the same thing. Now you're making sure that's implemented in your program. Yes. You never would have done that had you not gone through this, the experience of not having that at the time. A hundred percent. So I, I, that's why I'm giggling because yeah. I just, I, I get giddy because I really do believe mm-hmm. that every every choice you made, even as a young girl, led to this very moment today. And here we are talking about it. What? Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, it's magic. It's <laughs> yeah. magic. And. Yeah, I mean, just being really blessed with yeah. the people in my life, and um, yeah. you know, I life happens to you, and I just, I just didn't give up. I just kept pushing yep. through, and you did, yeah. And then like learning about all the mental health, and now being a trauma therapist, and you know, working with people now to heal, and and looking at things from an attachment lens and a relationship yeah. lens. I mean, that yeah. has changed my world too, for sure. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you you've obviously have done a lot you've done a lot of schooling you, mm-hmm. you know you've earned some d- amazing degrees you're doing great things at balance house what do you have any future plans of doing other things i mean you're very driven like we talked about mm-hmm. any any big ideas that you're you know you're cultivating in your mind that you want to do down the road yeah absolutely well we we really want to open a women's program okay right and yeah. i miss a women's trauma program mm. and then you know myself and one of my coworkers, we're starting to do intensives for families and okay for individuals so whether they're two or three days intensives we can go to them they can come to us mm. right because there's there's so much work underneath that can't happen whether yeah. it's in treatment or you know if they're back in their environment all of their stuff comes up so you know, starting an intensive program. I want to do a community IOP. I mean, I have all the ideas. Yeah. That's great though. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But those are good things. And that's sounds like the next progression and what you've already created, if you will. Yeah. Right. That's the next progression to, to continue to grow it. So, and then you, you know, reach out to more women, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. It's been really fun to, uh, so I th- present nationally and I, I get to go to different conf- conferences and yeah. present and, 
I never thought I would like that and I love it. You love it. Yeah. 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 Well, again, because you're speaking from your heart and yes. you're speaking from your own experience, you're being authentic. Mm-hmm. That's when you're at your best, when you're yeah. authentic, right? Yes. Have, yes. have you ever thought about writing a book? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's like thinking about grad or a doctorate. Um, <laughs> I've thought about it. Um, I've thought about it multiple times. It scares me a bit. Well, the reason why I bring this up, because I had someone tell me this once. He asked mm-hmm. me a question, this guy. He was a... He was a ghost writer for um, someone who was very famous here in Utah. And he said, he asked me the question, how do you leave a legacy? Mm. He asked me that question. I was like, I don't know, live a good life, be kind to people, you know, kind of the standard answer. And he goes, he goes, no. He goes, those are good, don't get me wrong. But the only way you can leave a legacy is if you write your story down. So 100 years from now, someone could read Katie's story. Imagine some girl in her senior year who just moved from one state to another mm-hmm. who's going through the same thing you went through reading your book and you're not even here yeah. but yet it's changing your life because she gets to read what you what you did and how you made it yeah it's really powerful to think of it that yeah. way yeah. not that you have to go write a book I'm just saying that <laughs> I don't know you gave me the idea yeah. <laughs> I might just go for it but mm-hmm. uh yeah I just I think your story is powerful and it really mm-hmm. does uh resonate and i mean i felt your power today and just the things that you're doing just i'm blown away honestly yeah thanks todd yeah i I really appreciate it it it's a good reminder to talk about where i came from for sure yeah if someone's listening to your voice right now like this very moment who's in a dark place they're struggling yeah they're not sure what to do what would you tell that one person right now i think i'd tell that one person they're not broken Mm. and that there are you know, there are ways to heal and there are people that want to help you. Yeah. Right. I, I wish someone would have told me that. So I I hope those that are listening and they think that they want to give up or, um, that they can't be put back together. I always describe it as like, I felt like I was shattered into a, a million pieces Yeah. and had to be put back together. Um, but it was always within me. I wasn't broken. Yeah. So I hope that the listeners can hear that and feel that, that there is a way out. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Great advice. Great, great, beautifully said. Mm-hmm. Well, if someone wants to reach out to you, Katie, and know more about what you do, learn more about Balance House, maybe even bring have someone who's struggling and they want to get them into your program, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, the best way would be to go on the Balance House website, which is just balancehouse.com, or um, just reach out to me uh, via email, katie at balancehouse.com, or my Instagram. So it's at Katie Thielen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll put those links in the show notes when we go live so people can just click and get right there. And, but I, I challenge everyone who's listening to your story today to, to reach out to you, ask you a question, go take a tour of Balance House, check out all the good stuff you're doing. And uh, if you have a loved one who's struggling and you're not sure what to do, reach out to Katie. Please. And she will obviously help. Look what she's done. Look what she's doing now. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. Crazy cool. (laughs) It's hard to find therapists right now. So if you need help with that, please reach out to me and I'm happy to guide and help in any way possible. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Katie, thanks for being on the show today. Um, it's great to really get to know you a lot better today. Me too. I, I, I'm the one being blessed because I get to sit here with you face to face. Thank you for all the, the good you're doing. Um, you are helping create magic in people's worlds because now you're experiencing it and you know what that looks like and what it feels like. So thank you thank for you all you do. S- thank you so much, Todd. This means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. I told you you were in for a treat today.
Uh, Katie from Balance House, she's amazing, uh, doing great things. And I agree with her, you're not broken. You may feel that way, but you're not. And that's the lie that we buy into sometimes. Reach out to her, you can even reach out to me. Uh, as you guys well know, I'm here to help you as well. We love you, uh, we believe in you, and we know you can do this. Again, thanks to my sponsors. You guys are so great to believe in me, to even support this, blows my mind. Um, so yeah, till next time everyone, love you. <laughs>